You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. Have you been naughty or nice? or it didn't happen. Before smartphones came along, if you had crazy sex somewhere, you might tell your friends about it, you might cumble brag, but without pics, without video, you couldn't prove you, for instance, had sex in Vatican City, in a dark corner of a deserted gallery in the Vatican Museum, which means you ran the risk of being disbelieved when you shared that story. You ran the risk of your friends concluding that your incredible sex story was, in their estimation, not credible. But having proof you did some crazy sex thing, that carries its own risks, as we all saw over the last few days. Over the weekend, The Daily Caller, the garbage right-wing news website founded by garbage right-wing news person Tucker Carlson, posted a video of two men having sex in a Senate hearing room. The video was shot by one of the men, and after establishing what was going on, the cameraman was fucking a twink in a black jockstrap with a very hot ass on top of the table where U.S. senators sit during very important hearings, the cameraman panned around the room to make sure we could all see the iconic marble wall looming behind them as they fucked with the seal of the U.S. Senate on it. Picks. Video. So it happened. My first reaction, that looks like a normal tourist visit to me. If we were talking about a gay tourist visiting Puerto Vallarta and not a Senate staffer slipping into an empty hearing room with a gentleman caller. So how did the Daily Caller get its hands on this video? Well, it appears that the staffer who was getting railed, the staffer getting staffed, posted the video and screenshots from it to his own social media accounts in private group chats. Aiden Maisie Zarapaski, forgive me, Aiden, if I mispronounced your name, shared it with his internet friends for likes and for clout. And one of his internet friends, probably seeking clout of their own, shared the video with a reporter from the Daily Caller. So I would now like to propose a corollary to pics or it didn't happen. A corollary that goes like this. No pics and you can deny it happened if you need to. And if you're the kind of person who enjoys having crazy sex in places where you're not supposed to be having sex at all, you might need to deny it. And pics and video, once you've released them into the wild, they make denials impossible. Pics and it happened. In addition to some predictable homophobic nonsense, there was talk about how it was unprotected sex because the top wasn't wearing a condom. Yeah, it's true. He wasn't wearing a condom, but it is not 1986. We live in the age of prep and doxypep, so just because they weren't using condoms doesn't mean they weren't having protected sex. The usual haters also jumped in to argue that this video of two gay individuals misbehaving proved that no gay person, no gay individual could ever be trusted 
ever anywhere, as if straight people in D.C. with a lot more power haven't gotten caught having sex where they're not supposed to be having sex with people they're not supposed to be having sex with, from Bill Clinton in the Oval Office to Lauren Boebert at Beetlejuice. Anyway, on top of the usual homophobic nonsense, we retreated to yet another round of why anyone would be so reckless, why anyone would do something so risky. If I had a sign, I'd tap it, but I don't have a sign, so I'm just gonna say it. People don't do crazy, reckless, risky sex things despite the crazy or the risk or the wreck. They do it, some people do it, the risk takers, the thrill seekers, the sensation seeking personality types, because it's crazy and risky and reckless. A little danger for them, a little risk for them, or a lot is a huge turn on. People with risk-taking personalities, sensation-seeking personality types have always been with us. They have always existed. But bring those personality types into the age of social media, bring them into the age of showing off, the age of pics and likes and clout and pics, and it happened. And of course, this happens. Hell, worse happens. So many people have fallen off cliffs and over waterfalls and into boiling hot pools of water at Yellowstone. 379 people have died between 2008 and 2021 seeking the perfect selfie that the Journal of Travel Medicine called for the declaration of a death by selfie public health emergency. Now, this kid isn't dead. No one died, but he did lose his job. Senator Ben Cardin fired him before the weekend was over. I think maybe the most remarkable thing about this sex scandal is the fact that no one had heard of Senator Ben Cardin before. Ben Cardin has been in the Senate since 2007. I am kind of a news junkie. I'd never heard of Senator Ben Cardin, or if I'd heard of him, it didn't stick. But one sensation-seeking demon twink on his staff, getting his ass fucked in a hearing room, and now we all know who Senator Ben Cardin is. Aiden... The twink who got fucked in the hearing room released a statement shortly before he was fired. This has been a difficult time for me as I have been attacked for who I love to pursue a political agenda. Girl, no, you aren't being attacked for who you love. The thing about having sex somewhere you might get in trouble for having sex if you got caught or somewhere you'll definitely get in trouble for having sex if you get caught is that you're going to get in trouble if you get caught having sex there and you got caught. And not because someone at the Daily Caller was spying on you. You were being railed, not tailed. You trusted the wrong people. You trusted strangers on the internet. And out of all the risky things a person can possibly do, that may be the riskiest thing of all. All right, coming up on today's show on the Micro Savage Lovecast, your big Q's, my big A's, and on the Magnum Savage Lovecast, what happens when online hucksters convince unhappy men they can be better men by not jacking off? Turns out they don't get any happier. Neuroscientist and sex researcher Dr. Nicole Prousey is here to share what she's learned about the online no-fab community. And on Thursday, we are putting out a sex and politics podcast. That's my occasional bonus podcast for Magnum Subs, where I chat with smart people about sex and politics and then force them to degrade themselves by answering a sex question with me from one of my listeners. Our new sex and politics features Dr. Kelly Wienersmith and Zach Wienersmith, the husband and wife team who co-authored A City on Mars, a fascinating book 
about what space travel and colonizing Mars would really entail. And guess what? If we want to populate Mars, it's going to entail a lot of fucking on Mars. How will that work? It's a fun conversation, and we will be sharing it with our micro Savage Lovecast listeners this week for free to give you a taste of what being a Magnum sub is all about. It's our holiday gift to you. And speaking of the Magnum, through December, you can give the gift of a Magnum subscription for half off. A Magnum sub gets your loved ones, all the Qs, all the As, no ads, my weekly Savage Love column in its entirety, access to all sex and politics podcasts, invites to Savage Love live shows, the full archive of the column and the podcast, and so much more. Go to savage.love slash gifts right now to give the gift of a Magnum Savage Lovecast. All right, let's get to the show. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com savage. This episode of the Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SAVAGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, Dan, huge fan. Mid-30s by a guy in the rural Midwest. Just became single for the first time in like over 10 years last May. Uh, and I've been avidly dating all summer. Pretty successful on the apps. Definitely listening to your podcast a shit ton for help with that. But so anyway, I have a dating etiquette question. I hadn't really formed any connections per se, um, including one guy I saw about four months for about four to six dates over the course of the summer. Uh, He seemed really into me, uh, but he was a lot younger than me. Our lifestyles didn't really seem that compatible. And also there just wasn't a whole lot of like chemistry or I wasn't feeling any sparks. Um, I was starting to wonder how long I should give that sort of thing because I didn't really feel like I was finding it in anybody. Then I actually did find it pretty recently in this other guy. It's a pretty new relationship, but we've been hanging out a lot more. And it just feels a lot different than all the other dates I've been on and stuff. It feels a lot more intense and serious. And I hadn't told boy number one about boy number two just simply because it felt like our relationship had already run its course. Uh, We haven't hung out in almost two months now, and it feels like it'd be more just salting the wound to hit up someone I barely talked to to be like, hey, I'm seeing somebody else. Uh, But also, boy number two is a pretty new relationship that could really still run its course, too. So it feels presumptuous to, you know, talk about it like that. There's no expectations of monogamy on either side, so it's not like a moral issue. But boy number one showed up to a show I was on a date with boy number two at last weekend unexpectedly. And uh, as far as I know, I was the only one who noticed boy number two works early in the morning. So I just easily orchestrated our exit by being like, hey, are you tired? You know, we can go home. Uh, I was pretty late when boy number one showed up. So my question is, how should I be handling this sort of thing, I guess? Um, Our social circles don't really overlap, but it's a pretty small town. So they necessarily overlap at some points. Should I be like debriefing people? Like, hey, obviously I met you on Tinder. I'm definitely seeing other people. Uh, I feel like that's implied and not really that emotionally intelligent to say all the time. Or am I overthinking it and it's just not a big deal for someone I'm dating to see me downtown with somebody else uh, in the first handful of dates or so? I don't want to feel like I'm like sneaking around or anything. You're overthinking this. You went on a few dates with boy number one. 
earlier in the year, earlier in the summer, and you weren't feeling it. There were no sparks, no chemistry. You didn't have that much in common. The age gap for you felt significant, and you stopped hitting him up, stopped calling him, stopped asking him to hang out, and he wasn't exactly beating down your doors either. So what do you owe him? What do you owe him now? This person that you briefly dated, you both live in the same place. It's obvious since you've run into each other once out in the world that you may run into each other again. What do you owe him? You owe him common courtesy. You're not interested. He's not interested. You both kind of sort of made that clear to each other. There was a kind of mutual, low stakes de-escalation. I don't even want to call this a ghosting. You didn't ghost each other. You just walked it back. You expressed some interest. You went on a few dates. You weren't feeling it. He expressed some interest. Went on a few dates with you. He wasn't feeling it. You stopped hitting each other up. But you know who each other are. And so what do you do? When you run into him in public and you're with someone else and you're not with somebody else, you smile, you nod. When you pass each other, you stop for a moment and say, hey, how are you doing? How are you? And then you introduce him to the person that you're with. And although young he may be, idiot, I hope he is not, and he will be able to guess or tell that this might be somebody else that you're on a date with. And you're allowed to go on dates with other guys. Four dates with him was not a marriage. It wasn't even that much of a relationship. You were casually seeing each other and then you began to uncasually unsee each other. And now when you see each other, when you run into each other out in public, your question was, what do you owe him? You don't owe him an explanation. He knows that you weren't interested in seeing him in anymore. And he assumes that you probably ascertained that he wasn't interested in seeing you anymore either. What you don't want to do is that thing where you assume that if you're kind, courteous, polite to somebody that you hooked up with once or twice or a few times when you see them around, that they're going to interpret that as you're pining for them or still interested in them and you don't want to mislead them so you aren't courteous, you aren't kind, you don't acknowledge them, you don't acknowledge their presence or their humanity and you're cold and you ignore them in public to avoid the catastrophe of them thinking you might still be interested and then you having to say, oh no, not still interested. In this case, I don't think there's any risk of confusion. He knows you're not interested. You know, or should know, he's not interested in you either. So what do you do? You're older, you're wiser, be the grown up that you are, be the more grown up person than he is. And just be kind, be nice. Say hello, ask him how he's doing. Introduce him to your date. If you end up with a boyfriend, you can introduce him to your boyfriend. And I promise you, he won't be devastated. I promise you. He won't burst into tears in the bar in front of you and your new boyfriend because it's clear from his actions that he wasn't interested in being your boyfriend. No more interested in being your boyfriend than you were interested in him being yours. Hey, Dan. Been with my boyfriend for about a year. Found out that he has a sugar mama that he's never met. It's digital only, apparently. And I don't know what to do about it, if I have a problem with it or not. Kept it a secret during our entire relationship. He's trying to be honest about it now. Honest-ish. 
but I don't know what to do. Am I jealous? Am I, ugh, I'm so confused. And there's so much more to this story and I need so much help. Oh my God, I want to hear what else there is to this story. You've been dating this guy for a year and he's disclosed to you after a year that he has this relationship online only with a sugar mama. And that is just somebody who enjoys sending him money. Maybe there's some exchange there. Maybe he lavishes some time and attention on this person in exchange for the money. Maybe photos, maybe text messages, but there's some with a sugar mama, sugar daddy, or a fin dump, fin sub kind of relationship. There's some back and forth. What the person sending the money is usually paying for is attention, engagement, and that can take many different forms. I'd be curious to know what form it takes, what he is giving this person uh, who is his sugar mama in exchange for all this money. I think the relationship he has with this other person is kind of interesting and harmless. It has brought money into his life. If he's not being, you know, if you're talking to him about the way he engages with this person and he doesn't seem avaricious, if he doesn't seem like he's taking advantage of somebody who's sad or pathetic and, and taking money from them and holding them in contempt. There's nothing you've learned then about his character that might be raising red flags. He just has this interesting, unique, but not unheard of financial arrangement with somebody that he met on the internet. And those are way more common than I think anybody really knows. We have no estimate for the numbers of people out there who have these kind of flirtatious sugar baby, sugar mama, sugar daddy uh, relationships. Although sugar mama, sugar daddy relationships are usually understand understood to have a physical component. There's a little girlfriend experience or boyfriend experience in there. But if this is an online only sugar mama arrangement, okay, well, there's some texting, maybe some sexting going on for the money and it's bringing her joy. It's bringing in a little money and therefore hopefully joy or satisfaction in the work for him and him having this connection with this other human being takes nothing away from you. In fact, it may give you something if he's spending some of the money that his sugar mama is giving to him on you. I don't know why you wouldn't be kind of intrigued and delighted, except that you're having that reaction people sometimes have when somebody has a kink or is doing something erotically or sexually that isn't something that they thought of or that they're into, where you have that knee-jerk negative reaction, a sex negative reaction because, ew, yuck, no, not my thing, not something I understand, not something I have any experience with or interest in, and therefore we are sort of socialized to recoil from that unfamiliar erotic stimulus or arrangement. And what I think you should do is set aside that impulse to recoil and just listen to your boyfriend about what this relationship is like, what she expects from him, what he's been able to expect from her, how their interactions are, are, are characterized, whether there's respect and mutual affection, or again, contempt and exploitation and just sit with it for a while. And that it took him a year to disclose this 
your reaction is evidence is one of the reasons why people who have fucked up, unique, interesting, weird, unexpected relationships or connections with people erotically are sometimes hesitant to just disclose them. Would you have had a different reaction if he told you two weeks in or on the first date? It would have been a really weird thing for him to tell you the night you met, right? And so he waited to tell you at some point and he kicked this can down the road. Well, was there a point where it would have been ideal, the ideal moment for him to stop kicking the can and turn and tell you about the can? A month, three months, six months, a year? When? And if you can't answer that question with an actual sort of time frame, all right, well then maybe he's not the guy for you. But if you like him and you've been able to drill down on this and there's nothing awful going on here, don't think you should hold this against him. What happened here except two people connected on the internet and brought each other in this horrifying, dark, cold world a little joy? Let him have it and let this woman have had what she did with your boyfriend if it needs to end or let her continue to have what it is that she has with her boyfriend if it can go on without taking too much time and emotional energy away from you. And then again, you know, if your boyfriend's willing to spend all the money he's getting from his sugar mama and taking you to fancy restaurants for fancy meals, everybody can win here. This episode is brought to you by Dipsy. If you have a lady in your life that could use a little audio erotica, look no further. This here is the perfect gift. Dipsy brings scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about threesomes, sweet office romances, rough and wild hookups, and they've added an amazing fantasy genre as well. Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of stories are voice acted by people of color. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and games you can play with a partner, a sexting tutorial, and tons of other classes and sexy stories you can read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or add joy with a partner. And back to the gifting idea, I love a gift that involves nothing in the landfill. Everything that you give will end up in between her ears. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash savage. Dipsystories.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Okay, so I've been sexing with a guy online. The relationship is totally online for now. But thinking about meeting up in person, except yesterday he sent me this really uh, close-up of his dick. And I noticed these little warts that reminded me of when I had the papillomavirus. And I don't know how to tell him that I would never meet up in person if he has those warts. Should I tell him to go get them checked out? And is there any way he can test for that? I really like to tell him. I don't think it's nice to be spreading this virus, but it's embarrassing to tell him that I think he has it. Uh, any tips? First, what you've seen may not be warts. There are conditions that men can have or people that have penises can have that 
appear to be warts or look like warts. There is a condition called pearly penile papules that are little raised white bump spikes, usually around the head of the penis, that can look like a sexually transmitted infection, but aren't. It's just spikes on a dick and they are harmless and not contagious. Now, warts can look like pearly penile papules and pearly penile papules can look like warts. Also, I can't even say it, pearly penile papules. Peter Piper picked a peck of pearly penile papules. Also can look like a virus, a contagious virus called molluscum. Uh, that results in, you know, wherever the molluscum infection takes root, little white bumps that also can look like HPV, can look like genital warts. So it may be possible if you say to this guy, looks like you might have warts, he may say to you, no, no, it's Peter Piper picked a peck of pearly peanut papules <laughs> and not warts. It's entirely possible if he's had this checked out already. And the reason why he sent this picture without hesitation was because it's not a sexually transmitted infection. Now, most people who have PPP worry that others will perceive it as a sexually transmitted infection. So it's weird that he would just send the picture without any prologue, without saying something about it in advance. Yeah. So I guess it's possible that it could be warts and he's just dumb. And I'm not trying to gaslight you. I'm not trying to second guess your lived experience with HPV and warts, and you may have absolutely correctly diagnosed him, which is why I think you should fucking say something. And what do you have to lose? What are you risking here? This is just somebody that you're swapping dirty pics with, and you have no IRL interactions with this person. The stakes seem pretty low. If he has a really bad reaction to you saying the kind and decent thing to you stepping outside the flow of the sexting and the dirty talk and saying, Hey, look, I noticed this in this picture. And I just wanted to suggest that you should go get that looked at by a doctor if you haven't already, because could be HPV, which most sexually active adults have been exposed to. And many people have, and aren't aware they have, and everybody should get vaccinated against HPV. He should get vaccinated against HPV. You should be vaccinated against HPV. But you should get that checked out. And then it instantly becomes one of those sorting hat moments, one of those instances where you've told somebody one thing about you, which is you care enough about them and the other people they might come into contact to to take this risk, to fucking say something. Their reaction tells you everything that you might need to know about them, including whether you want to continue sexting with them and certainly whether you would ever want to meet up in person with this guy. So put it in a text message, tap it out with your thumbs and hit send. And if he's offended, all right, he can fuck the fuck off. But if he responds with, hey, look, it's this, it's Peter Piper picked a peck of peanut, blah, blah, blah. He's not necessarily lying and he may have already had a doctor look at them, but it couldn't hurt for you to say, have you had a doctor look at those? And if he is trying to meet up with you in person, you absolutely just in advocating for your own sexual health and safety have a right to say, what are those? And have you had those looked at? Send that text now. 
you guys, guess what I just did? I added some shows to my band's website. True story. And it was a simple task. Why? Because Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand, growing your business, or reaching an audience. You can sell custom merch and create an easy income stream that engages your audience and spreads the word about you. Design your products and production, inventory, and shipping are handled for you, saving you time, money, and thus making you VIP. Sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. It's easy to get started with Squarespace. They offer professional website templates with designs for every category and use case. Then you can customize your look, update content, add features to fit your unique needs. You can make any Squarespace template do what you want so your idea, brand, or business stands out online on every device. Head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com savage and use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com savage and use the offer code savage. Hey, Dan. I'm a bisexual 30-year-old polyamorous trans woman. I'm a switch and I've been exploring my sexuality and BDSM over the past year and a half. And I found a lot of comfort and confidence in the role of the dom. It gives me a feeling of power that I enjoy exploring with my partners. However, I've been increasingly frustrated that all of my partners are subs or switches who seem to always take submissive roles with me. I get the feeling that it's related to the fact that outside of play, I have a confident and forward personality, so people tend to see me in a dominant light when it comes to kink. I have a partner who described themselves as a novice dom, and I was alright taking it slow and exploring things with them, but it was always me taking the initiative, and I rarely felt satisfied with uh, our play. Now, even they have started taking a submissive role in the bedroom with me. And I enjoy that play, and I love that they trust me enough to show me that side of them, but I've been trying to explore my submissive side for nearly two years, and I don't feel like I've made any progress in that time. I've gotten to munches, and the only people I've clicked with have been submissives. How can I finally find someone to tie me up? Or will I be doomed to dom the rest of my life? There are way more subs out there than there are doms. A lot of people who identify as switches are not really that interested in switching. They're more interested in the sub role, but they're willing to play the dom role as a kind of I'll flog your back, you'll flog mine, give and take. You're going to have to look for those people who can play that role in your life. And you're going to have to be a little bit more assertive and perhaps even transactional about your interactions with your casual play partners. They want you to be dom. Okay, you can say to them, I will be dominant. I will tie you up. We will do these things. But I need to submit to. I am a sub and a dom. I'm a switch. And I need that, I need that back from you. I need that energy back from you. So you have to find it in yourself to dom me, to top me, if you want me to top and dom you. You tie up my ass, I'll tie up your ass. 
And then maybe you'll get a little bit more of what you want. But this idea that because you're confident and forward and even assertive, that people can't see what might be hot about dominating you. There's so many cliches that are like zipping through my mind right now, including the best doms are frustrated subs, often true, perhaps true in your case. And another cliche is sort of zipping through my mind is that so many people who enjoy the submissive role in kink play are outside of the dungeon or the playroom or the munch or the play party, aggressive, dominant, assertive people who enjoy giving up, releasing that power, transferring it to another person in the context of BDSM and kink play. And so your naturally confident, forward, assertive personality isn't a disqualifier. It's almost something that is a sign and, and would recommend you to the kind of people and they're out there in Kinkland, but you may have to search a little harder to find them because there are 10 subs for every dom. There are doms out there who particularly get off on dominating somebody who is a more dominant type, cliche type personality because, oh my God, this person who is so aggressive and confident and assertive and forward is submitting to me. And what does that say about my power? So don't just ask for what you want. Don't just put it out there at the munch that you're interested in exploring your sub side as well. Find the people who say that they are switches and tell them that playing with you in the dom role is conditioned upon you getting also to play with them in the sub role. Put your foot down. Be dominant about that. Hey, Dan, Nancy, and the tech savvy at risk youth. I am a 40-year-old cis queer woman in the Northeast. So the other night I was messaging with some dude I matched with on Tinder. And our casual conversation took a severe left turn when he revealed to me that he has vacation sex with his mom. Dan, it was like watching a car crash in motion. I couldn't help but ask a few questions trying to understand how did this come to be? I was trying to be respectful. I don't want to kink shame anyone. But this had red flags written all over it. Now, they have boundaries for what it's worth. They are not allowed to hook up with each other. At home, it is only when they are away on trips or vacation or out of town. He said his last girlfriend knew and didn't like it, but put up with it for as long as they were together, knowing it was just the status quo. So it got me to thinking, is this something that has been going on in our society all this time? Or is this some new trend that's happening that we're going to be navigating and dating from now on? I did a shallow dive into Reddit and discovered a whole thread that is men who have sexual, consensual sexual relationships with their mothers. So tell me, Dan, what do you think? No one who is actually having sex with his mother would blurt out to somebody he just met on Tinder, somebody he was hoping might be willing to date him, that he was having sex with his mother. But whether this guy is actually having sex with his mother or he's just making shit up online while he's chatting anonymously with people that he's meeting on dating apps about having sex with his mother, still a red flag. Of course, it is the biggest, reddest, May Day Parade, Moscow 1983 red flag imaginable if he's actually fucking his mom. But if he's just, you know, he's one of those people out there who has incest fantasies and incest porn 
as we've discussed before on the show, is distressingly popular. If he's one of those people out there with an incest fantasy, convincing some stranger on the internet that you're never actually going to meet face to face, that you're doing this insane fucked up thing. And then, you know, finding the person who, instead of immediately blocking you, begins to ask you respectful questions for fear of kink shaming you. And that allows you to spin out that fantasy scenario just a little bit more. And you get to inhabit that sweet space for a lot of people with crazy fantasies where someone out there believing that your fantasy is actually a lived reality makes that fantasy, your enjoyment of it, while you jack off, while you're chatting with some lady you just met on Tinder about fucking your mom, that much more intense and pleasurable. So my money is on this guy, despite what you may have found on Reddit, is not fucking his mom. My money is on this guy has incest fantasies that involve mother-son incest. And when he fantasizes about mother-son incest, he doesn't picture his own mom, but some fantasy mom figure. And he was furiously beating off the entire time you were talking with him. Maybe that's cope. Maybe that's what I would like to believe. And it's what I'm going to choose to believe. But I actually think the facts and evidence here, particularly that you just met him on Tinder. And rather than waiting a year or 10 until after you were married and had a couple of kids and extracting yourself from this relationship would have been nearly impossible would have raised the bar for walking away from him as quickly as possible if you were really involved and then telling you he's fucking his mother. No, telling you he's fucking his mother the minute you guys began to chat, man, he never had any intention of meeting you. And he's probably done this to a million women who instantly blocked him. Now, I'm not blaming the victim here, somebody who's lying to you and toying with you on the internet and you wound up unwittingly playing into his masturbatory fantasies. That's what happened here. Because if he was really doing this, he would share it anonymously, maybe, on that Reddit forum you found. But he wouldn't be telling women that he just met on Tinder. Women he was hoping to actually meet IRL, in real life, in person, face-to-face, and possibly date about this colossal deal-breaker. The largest and reddest of red flags. And again, it's a red flag, whether he's actually fucking his mother or he's just making shit up on the internet about fucking his mother. Red flag. Don't give it another thought. Get the fuck out of that Reddit forum and block him. All right. Before we get to this week's listener response calls, I want to share a couple of the comments about last week's show that were posted at savage.love. From Athari, Dan, your Catholic upbringing is showing. I showered with my dad when I was younger, and he would sometimes run around the house naked, much to my mom's chagrin, and I honestly can't think of what his dick looked like. And as a gay guy, you'd think I might remember, but it just wasn't a big deal then or now. All right, a lot of people disagreed with my advice for the caller who was thinking about getting a PA, that's a dick piercing, and how he might explain that to his child. Perhaps I overreacted, perhaps thinking about my dad's dick is triggering for me. But my advice, don't let your kids see your dick and you'll never have to explain your PA, did not sit well with most of my listeners. Says Sebastian from Barcelona. First, I have to thank you for the excellent podcast, Dan. However, I was very surprised by your comment, something along the line of dads do not need to see their kids naked. Maybe your dad did not because he did not change a diaper or bathe you. Are those mother's tasks? 
There is nothing wrong with your relationship with your father, Dan, but we aspire to live in a better world than the one reflected by your comments. All right. In my dad's defense, he changed diapers. My dad bathed us. I didn't say my dad never saw my baby dick. I said I didn't see my dad's grown-up dick. Says Dame Noir, Dan's take is so weirdly classic prude American to me. I'm from the Netherlands, and we definitely saw my dad's dick growing up. Don't U.S. parents take baths with their kids or go swimming? I guess my parents didn't. Maybe other U.S. parents do. I will defer to the sense of the Senate, the wisdom of the crowd here. You guys are right about this, and I am wrong. One last comment about something else. Says Julia, it's quite possible that the extrovert wife of the introvert guy is not frustrated at having to organize their entire social life, but frustrated and very tired to relationship extinction levels at being the sole bearer of his mental health if she's the sole person he's ever having conversations with. I can't imagine the emotional, mental load she's under. Good point. All right. For more listener comments and more of my responses, check out Struggle Session, a weekly bonus column exclusively for Magnum Lovecast subscribers. Goes up every Thursday at savage.love. And now, listener response calls. Hey, Dan, this is in response to your advice to the dad who had the new Prince Albert piercing. And um, your response was very Catholic. There's lots of families for whom nudity is not really a big deal. And it's not like, hey, I'm naked in your kid's face, but you're just naked at times of the day and you're not hiding your body from your child because nudity is not that big of a deal. So I think your advice about how to explain it to your the, the dad's kid was great. Just no big deal. It's a piercing, just like people get piercings in their ears, etc. But I wanted to add to this, dad, you may also want to have a conversation about the existence of this piercing is private. Kids love telling stuff to other people. Uh, I learned about my cousin's genital piercing from her daughter when she was about five. So you may want to have a conversation so that the whole world doesn't know about your new genital piercing. For the woman whose husband isn't making you friends, I think you really got to let go of this. You're not going to magically turn this guy into an extrovert. You talk about wanting to see him through somebody else's eyes, but if you take somebody who has really bad social anxiety and force them into a new friendship, you're not going to see them in their best light. You're probably just going to see him feeling awkward and uncomfortable. So I do think there's other ways to emulate that if you're just wanting to see him in a different light. Like, what does he enjoy doing? What does he feel like he's really good at? And whatever that is, do that activity with him so you can see the confidence that it brings him. I think you need to explore why you're feeling this way a little bit more because if it's that you just don't want to be with somebody like that, if you feel the need to be with somebody who's more extroverted and him being an introvert is a turnoff for you, then you got to accept that that's coming from within you. That's not something that he's doing that he needs to or even can change. Hi, this is a response to the woman in her early 40s, newly divorced, dating people and having fun. And now she's dating a guy and her friends are advising her to not break up with him, but she thinks she wants to break up with him because she doesn't want to have to have a relationship progress maybe to the point of cohabitation. And I wanted to share my own experience, um, which is that I too was in my early 40s, newly divorced, dating people and having fun. And then I met somebody that I fell in love with. And at some point along the way, we decided to uh, move in together, which we did. And it was a disaster. So we moved back out. But we didn't break up. 
And we're still together almost 16 years later. We still consider each other to be partners. We love each other very much. We get to spend time together. But then we get to go home to our own space and not have anybody underfoot. We each raised children and launched them, and we still don't want to live together. It's not great for the carbon footprint. It's not great for the budget, but it's so great for the mental health. So there's that model, too. Good luck. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? You can record your question or your comment at savage.love slash askdan. Right now, while that question or comment is fresh in your mind, go do it. Or you can use the voice memo app on your phone and email your question or comment to q at savage.love. Or you can give us a call or leave us a voicemail at 206-302-2064. And in Hump News, the Hump jury met last week. We watched 200 submissions for the Hump 2024 Film Festival. And I can now tell you that the Hump 2024 Film Festival is going to be great. And you can get tickets now with an early bird discount at humpfilmfest.com for the opening weekends in Seattle, San Francisco, and Portland, and for the Hump Spring Tour in 2024 all across the country. Go to humpfilmfest.com right now to get those tickets for yourself and for others on your list. Hump Film Fest tickets make great gifts. Get them now, humpfilmfest.com. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dan Savage. Follow me on Blue Sky at Dan Savage. And you can still find me sometimes on the bad place at Fake Dan Savage. Follow Dr. Nicole Prousey on Twitter at Nicole R. Prouse. Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian. And me and Nancy and the tech-savvy at-risk youth, we will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading and happy holidays. Peter Piper picked a pack of pearly penile papules. <laughs> <laughs>